technologically savvy, they're going to put a QR code up there. Hopefully it'll work. You can get your phone out, get your camera, and point it at that, and a website, a little link should pop up at the top of your screen. So if it works, that's great, but if not, I need our ushers. We got some hard copies back there also, in case you can't get it. And there's actually two papers. The second paper that you don't have... Um, I don't have enough copies for everybody, so spouse is going to have to share. I know this is very different than what we normally do, and Pastor would have a stroke right now <laughs> if he was, had me just standing up here waiting for people to get papers. But that's how we're rolling tonight. He's out of town. God bless you, Pastor, when you see it. Uh, I'll try to make up for it. But, uh, so hopefully you got that, but if not, they're passing out. If we can get some help, Brother Rick Shane, uh, just pass them out. One of each, like I said, we don't have enough for everybody to have one, so couples share if you can. One of those is a prayer guide that we'll talk about in a little bit, and the other is just resources for how to study the Bible, how to read the Bible, and things like that. So um, as they're getting that, I want to say it's an honor to speak to you all tonight. Pastor, thank you for letting me do this when you're not here. Most of the time that I preach, he's not here. So that could mean two things. It either means he really trusts me or he really don't want to hear what I got to say. So I'm going to take it as the first one. But um, he's not going to trust me after tonight. I'm going to find out next time. But um, so if we were to take a survey of where everyone wanted to improve in their walks with God, we would just say, hey, where do you want to prove? I believe there's three answers that would probably stick out above everything else, and that's prayer, fasting, and Bible reading. Because... We all understand they're important. Everybody understands if you've been around the church five minutes, prayer is important. Reading our Bible is important. Fasting is important. But they're difficult to get started sometimes. It's difficult to create habits out of these things because they're not natural. They go against our flesh. They go against our desires. So tonight, we're not going deep at all tonight. In case you were wondering, we're playing in the puddles 100% tonight. Nothing deep tonight. We are going to break down on the basic level, how do we pray, how do we fast, and how do we get into the Word and read the Bible? Amen. Thank you, brother. So we're going to talk about these three disciplines on a foundational level, and I'm going to talk about finan not finances, foundational disciplines tonight. So if we truly want to build our spiritual house that we all believe is very, very, very important, if we want to build that spiritual house on a firm foundation, it has to start with these things. So Luke 6, 46 through 49, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? That's powerful right there. So why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I tell you to do? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. 
But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Jesus made it clear that if we want our spiritual house to survive the storms of life, if we want our spirit to survive the things that are going to happen around us and in our lives, we have to build it on a firm foundation, and it starts by simply doing what Jesus said to do. It starts by Jesus said pray, so we got to pray. And Jesus said fast, and Jesus said to do these things, so we need to do these things. See, our foundation is not determined by our, our intentions. It's determined by our actions. It's really easy to want to pray, but it's something totally different to actually pray. It's one thing to want to read your Bible daily, but it's another thing to actually do it. And so tonight, I want to give us some tips on how to do it. So first off, disciplines. There's some of you just started twitching when I said that word because it brought back some bad memories. I could tell a funny story about Gentry, but Eric probably don't want me to tell it, that um, discipline the other day went south, and he drew a picture where he was bigger than me, and I was a speck beside him. And... Uh, I probably really shouldn't say this, but um, I got on to him, and he, he looked at me, and he said, I want to punch you. And there's something rose up in me, and I said, I really wish you would. But uh, he didn't, thank God. But uh, anyway, so discipline, it, it made some of us twitch, because there's just something about that word. It's not a fun word. It's not an exciting word. Discipline, we understand that it's it's difficult. Discipline, by definition, is a rule or system of rules governing conduct or activity. Disciplines put lines on our lives. And self-discipline is when we put lines on ourselves, which is even harder. It's one thing to do it because somebody tells you to. It's another thing when you're the only one who decides whether it happens or not. Makes it a little harder. Self-discipline is correction or regulation of oneself for the sake of improvement. And the key is this, the only way to establish self-discipline is to start. The first step to praying every day, pray once. The first step to fasting regularly is fasting once. And reading is by reading once. You, we have to start somewhere. And so tonight you may be saying, well, I've, just, I've tried a hundred times and I can't do it. Me too. That, that's perfectly fine. What we have to do is say, you know what, I'm going to start where I'm at and we're going to do this again. And if I mess up, I'm going to do it again. And if I don't pray tomorrow, I'm going to pray the next day. Because we have to start somewhere. And here's what we have to understand. Life is difficult. Life is not an easy experience for most people. Life has a way of pulling the life and the strength and the energy right out of you. It's a way of frustrating you and weighing on your mind. And so I know that I've always tried to discipline my walk with God. I've grown up in church. This is all I've ever known. But I was never really able to consistently follow through. I would try, and I would do good for a little while, and I would stop. Or I'd miss, miss a day, miss two days, three days, and I'd just, just throw it out the window. And then a few years ago, a couple years ago, life was getting rough. It was just a lot of things that were going on. We were dealing with gentry struggles, and COVID brought the world to a halt. And just every, there was just so much stress and pressure and fear, just so much going on around me. And I'm like, God, what is going on? And so I'm like, God, I'm, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to follow through. I'm, I'm going to do it this time. And I said, I'm going to do it. And I started praying every day, reading the Word. And I was doing really good, like 95% of the time. And then things got harder. 
I lost my job, and then I got another job, and I kept praying, and I kept reading that this job was a thousand times more stressful than the other job. So here I was trying to do my best at church. I'm trying to be a father. I've got this stressful job that I'm working 10, 11, 12, 13 hours a day on, and I'm trying to pray and trying to read my Bible, and it's wearing me out. It was wearing me down, and I'm like, God, I just don't know. I'm, I don't know if I could do this. And one day I'm on my way to work, and this little voice is in my ear saying, you know what? You can't keep reading every morning, praying every morning, and still fulfill your responsibilities at home, at church, and work. And this little voice is saying, you know what? Would God really want to put that weight on you? And it was, it was, it was sounding good. And suddenly, something just clicked. And God said, you know what? You cannot fulfill your responsibilities as a husband, as a minister, as a worker. You can't fulfill these responsibilities if you don't pray and you don't read every day. Because I had to understand, as long as it was my abilities, I, I can do a lot on my shoulders, but there's a limit to my capacity. But when I reach beyond my abilities and I tap into what God can do, I tap into God's power. Suddenly, it's not about my power anymore. It's about God's power. And suddenly, I'm a better father because I'm spending this time in the word and connecting to God because it's not my power anymore. And what we have to understand about these disciplines, it's more than just a checklist of things we're supposed to do. You're, when you read your Bible and you get in the Word and you pray, you're connecting yourself to a stronger power than you have on your own. It's not about your abilities anymore. It's not about what you can do on your own. It's not about what you're capable of doing. It's about what is God capable of doing through you when we get these disciplines established. So, going to these disciplines... The first one, prayer, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Long verse, I know it's going to take a lot to get it all out. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And there's two ways you can read this verse. There's one you can, and both of them are right. You can look at it as be regular and constant in your prayer time. So don't, I mean, if you're praying, if you're not, if you don't stop praying, that means you're praying every day. You're consistently praying. Or, Maintain an uninterrupted spirit of prayer where your mind is always in the background focusing, thinking on God. And you can look at it both ways and both are right. Prayer isn't supposed to be mystical. Prayer is not supposed to be spooky. Prayer is just, I had this opportunity to connect with my Savior. The God of the universe. Think about this. The God of the universe. The God who created everything, spoke everything into existence. The, the Jesus who died on a cross for you. He doesn't expect you to bring an offering. He doesn't expect you to kill anything. He doesn't expect you to do anything to start this relationship except go to him and say, you know what? I need you. All he expects is just come talk to me. He doesn't expect you to bring some offering. He doesn't expect you to change your life overnight. The very first step to talk to this amazing, all-powerful, all-loving God is, you know what? I, I need you. I can't do this without you. It's amazing when, you, when we take all this stuff out of prayer and just realize prayer is just me talking to Jesus. It's just me having the opportunity to talk to this amazing God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A lot of times we separate these verses, and we read verse 6, and we quote that one because it's really good, and we quote verse 7 because it's really good by itself. But it's actually one thought. It's one continuous thought. 
So it's meant is instead of being anxious, when you get bad news, when things are going wrong in your life, when you got stress piling up, instead of being anxious, stop what you're doing, take that need to God, give it to God in prayer, and in response to you giving it to Him, He's going to give you peace. He's going to give you a peace that you can't understand that's going to guard your heart and your mind. Prayer is a powerful thing. It gives us the opportunity to take whatever it is that we have in our hands and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. I need you to handle this. And he takes it from us. That's amazing. When we think about how good God is, it turns your attention off of your problems and fixates your eyes on Jesus and say, you know what? I have limits, but you don't. I can't do everything. But you can do everything. So whatever it is I'm battling with, I'm just going to hand it to you and step out of the way and just watch what you do. And the Bible never says you have to pray first thing in the morning. Since we're talking about disciplines, it's very helpful to start your day with prayer. Maybe you're not a morning person. And maybe you say, I just, I can't do it in the morning. I'm barely alive in the morning. I'm riding to work with one eye closed and the other one, I'm having to hold it open physically. I just challenge you, even if it's just a minute, two minutes, just take a minute and say, you know what? I'm going to start my day. Because when you pray, you're taking your needs and you're handing it to God first thing in the morning. And say, God, you know what? I'm not carrying this through my day. God, I'm going to start my day by giving it to you. I will, I'll pray later more thoroughly, but right now I'm just going to start my day by turning my attention to you and everything about my day is yours. It's on what you want to do for my life. And there's these two things we have to understand. If you really want to establish a daily, daily discipline, understand these two things. Prayer is direct communication with God. It's not just some ceremonial act. Prayer is not a ceremony. Prayer is not something we do to check it off a list. Prayer is not something we do to say that we did it or to, to get rid of our guilt. Prayer is actually communicating with God. And even when you don't feel like it, God hears what you're saying. And God is listening to your prayers. He's interested in what you're praying. Very, very interested. And the second thing is prayer really does work. Prayer actually works. Tomorrow morning, next time you pray, instead of just going through your list and just praying off the things you're praying for, I want you to stop and say, you know what? This really works. I've got needs, and if I bring them to God, it really is going to be different tomorrow. It really is going to matter. It's not just me just throwing out into the air. I'm actually bringing my needs to God. Prayer works. There's stories all over this place of prayer working that we brought something to prayer and say, God, I don't know what to do. I'm going to give it to you. And God shows up. And God does what he said he would do. Prayer is not about time long. It's not about saying, I prayed for five minutes or I prayed for 30 minutes. It's not something you stack up to impress God with. Prayer is about building a relationship. I've been married for 10 years. And if I stopped talking to my wife tomorrow, she would not like that very much. Wouldn't be, I, don't, I don't think she would. I hope she wouldn't. But prayer is about building a relationship. Relationships start with communication. You can't go, if you don't communicate, everything you're doing doesn't matter. We have to communicate. And if we're going to build a relationship with God, a true relationship with God, it starts with prayer. It starts with me going to God and saying, you know what, I'm not trying to impress you with how much time I spend here or make sure I spend more than the next guy. I'm just making time for my Savior. 
Prayer is not a job. It's an opportunity to connect with Jesus Christ. I know it sounds simple, but it's a chance to, to talk to Jesus. It don't get any better than that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't get any better than that. I get to talk to God. I believe that one of the biggest reasons, and this is why the heart of why I'm doing this, is because the reasons we don't pray is because prayer is intimidating sometimes. We get in prayer and we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. We got three minutes, and then after that, look around. You come to prayer meeting, and you hear these people pray for 30 minutes, solid, never stop talking, just a solid line of words, and you're like, I can't do that. And and so we get intimidated, and it's a whole lot easier to just come to prayer meeting and just listen to other people pray. I love listening to Brother Troy pray. Love it. He was my first youth pastor, and I love listening to him pray. It's where I learned to pray. But not everybody doesn't pray like him, and that's okay. We have to be ourselves, but we can't be intimidated by prayer. Sometimes we worry, is my prayer good enough? Did, did it actually work? Was it, was it good enough? I didn't speak in King James English, so I don't know if God actually listened to it, but God's actually listened to it. And we wonder, hey, God, I only spent three minutes, but I was supposed to spend at least five minutes. And you say, well, I hear about these people praying an hour. And so we question ourselves, did I, did I pray good enough or did I pray long enough? Was it enough? And we finish praying and we remember everything we were supposed to pray about. Anybody ever done that? You pray and you can't think of anything. You're like five minutes in, you're out. Like, I love you, Jesus. I love you. You say, I love you, Jesus, 45 times in a row and you're done. You get up, get in your car, start to go down the road. Everything pops in your head. Oh, that's what I was supposed to pray for. I told that guy I was going to pray for him. I didn't. And you remember everything. So tonight, that that first paper, Patterns of Prayer, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail about it because of time. But I gave three just general patterns for prayer. One came from a book called The Lost Art of Spiritual Disciplines. I actually have a picture of that by Nathan Whitley. That's on the resource paper. It's a great book. The back part of the last chapter has a lot about Daily discipline is very, very good. Uh, but it, it has just a general pattern for prayer. And it starts off prayer and thanks. And then worship, repentance, supplication, intercession. That's a big word. Basically, God, this is my needs and bringing your needs to God. And meditation. And when it comes to Christianity, meditation is not clearing your mind. Meditation is getting everything out of your mind except for Jesus. Everything out of your mind except for the word so you can focus on God. What are you saying? Because this word is great, and I'm going to dig into it in a minute. But sometimes when you just read it, you miss it. We have to stop and say, God, what are you speaking to me? Because God's always talking. God is talking back. Sometimes we just don't hear it because we get distracted or there's things going on and we don't know how to listen. But God's speaking. We just have to stop what we're doing and say, God, what what are you saying to me? God, what what do you want me to hear? What do you want me to feel? What are you saying? Another one that I'm not going to go into deeply, Praying the Tabernacle. I have another book, Heaven to Earth. Don't have it. Okay. Called Heaven to Earth by Anthony Mangan. If you've never read that book, it's my favorite book on prayer. Some people like other books. That's my favorite book on prayer. It's about praying the tabernacle. And if you don't know what the tabernacle is, it's the tabernacle of Moses And there's all these pieces of furniture, and it's a plan to just pray symbolically through those things and what you can compare to it. And it's on that paper. I won't go into detail, but I strongly encourage you to read that book. If you can, that's a great, 
great book on prayer. If, you, if, if you're praying for 30, if you say, you know what, I want to pray for 30 minutes, but I can't seem to figure out how, this is a great plan to get you there. If you want to spend an extended time in prayer, this is a great way to get there because it's, it really brings out a lot of things you can pray about and just point some things out. Like I said, the book explains it better, but it's a very, like I said, if you want to really dig down deep in God's presence, a great, great book to read, but a great plan to follow. And also the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray in this like manner. Jesus wasn't saying, repeat after me. It's not what Jesus said. You can. There is power in praying the word. It is powerful just to read the Lord's Prayer and pray it for yourself. That is absolutely powerful. But it's, it's more so a pattern for us to follow. He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Or he said, you're holy. So it's a praise. He starts off with praising, recognizing how powerful God is and praising God. And then it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it, on earth as it is in heaven, yielding to God. Say, God, I don't have the answer. God, I can't do it. I need you. I can't do it without you. Then it says, give us this day our daily bread. Pray for your needs. God, you know what? I have this going on in my family. I have this going on in my life. My neighbor has this going on. All those needs. And there's nothing wrong with pulling out a list. You're not, you're not less spiritual if you pull out a prayer list and go down the list on your phone. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to pray for these needs. God doesn't care if you read it. It's not better if you memorize it. It's better if you pray for all of it. So pull out your list right there and say, you know what? I'm going to pray for the needs of myself, my community, the people around me. Forgive us our debts. Forgive me. Repentance. As we forgive our debtors, forgive others. That's part of prayer. Sometimes we have to just stop what we're doing and say, God, you know what? I got something against somebody. I got to deal with that right here. Right here. I can't move on with that. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pray for protection for your family, for yourself. Pray over these things. And then for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's a praise. He ends with praise. Like he said, it's a pattern. Take that paper, put it in your Bible, and just hold on to it. And when you're trying to pray, just use that as a guide to pray. Because I want to, we want to give you tools. Don't compare your prayer life to somebody else's. Pastor talks about it all the time. When he first became pastor, he was used to Brother Spikes, this powerful voice roaring out of the prayer room. And, like, and, and it was intimidating. But he talks about how he realized, you know what, it's not about his voice. It's about me being what God called me to be and fulfilling my voice. Don't compare yourself to somebody else's prayer life. First of all, they've probably been working on it for a really, really long time. And you're not going to get there overnight. It's just going to take growth. True, healthy growth in anything is a process. If somebody just picks something up overnight, chances are they're just imitating the next person and they miss something. It's about growth. It's about building up, getting stronger, getting, getting more familiar with prayer, getting more familiar with the word. And find what works for best for you and do it. Whether it's morning, evening, whatever it is, find what works. Before you try to run, just walk. And before you try to walk, just stand up. Start somewhere. Start where you can and build from there. Don't try to, The most frustrating thing is just you don't have a daily habit and you say, you know what, I'm praying 30 minutes every day starting tomorrow. You're not. Ain't going to happen. You may do it for a day. So start somewhere and build out from there. The more you pray, the more powerful your prayers will become because you get more familiar with your own prayer voice. Pray. 
But the, the key is this. Don't miss the importance of making the effort to communicate. You might not have prayed as long as you wanted to. It might not have sounded as pretty as you wanted it to sound, but don't miss the opportunity to talk to Jesus. That's the key. Don't miss the opportunity to talk to God because he cares for you and he wants to hear it. Brother Michael, you're supposed to clap a little bit longer. You left me hanging. You saw me reach for it and you stopped. But start somewhere. Start. I'm good now. I made it now. Don't miss your opportunity. We have to start somewhere. Prayer, it can be intimidating, but take the initiative and say, you know what, I'm going to start where I can, and I'm going to go from there. Use a guide and, and pray with that guide, and you'll, and you'll find it gets easier and easier. Now, fasting, the second one, could be a lesson all by itself because it's the thing we probably know the least about. We like it the least. Does anybody like fasting? If you do, you're doing it wrong. Okay? <laughs> You're not supposed to like it. It's supposed to, be, supposed to be difficult. It's by far the hardest discipline. It's the hardest one. It's difficult, but without fasting, there's a limit on the power you're going to operate in. Fasting unlocks something in your spirit. It, unlock, it, it, it creates a connection between you and the spirit that, that prayer doesn't do. Fasting is the only way to do it. Prayer is about connecting to God, but fasting is about disconnecting from yourself. Prayer is about, can, what, let me talk to Jesus. Fasting is about, let me get me out of the way so I can more clearly and effectively communicate with Jesus. Fasting is meant to be difficult. It's supposed to be hard. That's why it's important. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a sacrifice. So, some things that fasting does is fasting causes us to surrender our flesh to God's will. I don't know about you. We're in South Louisiana. We like to eat. Can I get an amen? amen? We like food. I grew Where I grew up, my house, we ate. Like, we ate. We really, really ate. And we ate a lot. And so I am very comfortable with food. I am very familiar with good food. And my wife's a good cook, so it just carried on. After I got married, I had to say that. She is a good cook, but I had to say that. So it causes us to surrender our will to God's will. Less of me, more of you. Less about what makes me comfortable and more about what draws you to me. That's what fasting does. Fasting makes us more sensitive to the spirit world. It makes us more sensitive to what's going on around us. It pushes out the flesh. It pushes out our desires, our fleshly desires, and say, God, what are you doing? What's going on in the spirit world around me? And fasting catches God's attention. God notices that when you fast. God honors fasting. Fasting is important. It's powerful. And it's, it's January. We've been doing all kinds of fasts. There's no caffeine. That was terrible. That was very, very terrible. I read something one time that Amelia Earhart, she didn't like caffeine. So they asked her how she stayed awake when she flew over the ocean. Instead of coffee, she used smelling salts. And so I was really close. Really close to uh, going and getting some smelling salts last week. So there's no caffeine. There's we, we the, the first week a no meat fast. 
There's a, a version of that, the Daniel fast, where it's, I avoid that. I would rather not eat at all than the Daniel fast. There's just beans and stuff. I don't want to do that to Erica. And then there's just, <laughs> sorry, Pastor. Amen. <laughs> then there's just no food because, like I said, we like to eat. So that's one type. You know what? Next week, we're going to do a media fast. For some people, that's harder than food because we get so addicted to these things and the news and everything else. And sometimes God says, I'm trying to speak. Will you shut that up? Will you close that so I can talk to you? Because fasting gets rid of distractions. It gets rid of everything we're, we're worrying about. It says, hey, let me talk to you. Let Push that away so I can speak. Clearly, and so you can hear what I'm saying. And sometimes just activities. Now, you can't fast going to the gym if you don't actually go to the gym. It doesn't count. So don't do that. So the keys to successful fasting. This is very, very important. If you want to fast, plan ahead. You're not going to wake up in the morning and decide, you know what? I'm not eating for the next three days. Not going to happen. You're not just going to wake up and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm, maybe you can. I'm not. I'm not eating the next three days. You have to take, give yourself time to prepare for it mentally. Get your mind focused on what you're trying to accomplish. What is God trying, what do I want God to do? And give yourself time to think about it. Plan it around your schedule. It doesn't make you carnal if you're going to run a marathon on Saturday that you don't start a three-day fast on Thursday. Because if you do that, you're going to die. So don't do that. Plan it around your schedule. Use common sense with these things. The goal is to fast. The goal is not to impress God. He's not going to be impressed because you do something difficult while you're on your fast. God just wants you to fast and push your flesh aside. Start small. Start small and build yourself up. Start with one meal and then do two meals next time. Start with one day and then go to three days. Start small, build yourself up, and then move to a bigger fast. Don't try to do it because you'll just get frustrated because you'll try it, you'll fail, and you'll get frustrated you can't do anything for God. So start small. Don't think about it. I used to have a bad habit when I was on a fast that I would pull up somehow on Facebook. I'd end up on recipe videos and just watch over and over and over again recipe videos. And I finally realized I'm going to make myself miserable by watching all this good food and not eating anything. So don't let your mind dwell on whatever it is you're fasting. If you're fasting media, don't go look at your Facebook app and just stare at the button. <laughs> Use sense. Say, you know what, let me, what I do, I move it to a different place on my phone so I have to think about it to find it. Make it difficult on your, like make it to where it's not natural. If you start to think about it, think on something spiritual. Think about what you're fasting for. If you've got a lost kid and you're trying to get that lost kid back in church and, and you're, you're getting hungry, if you want to make the devil stop making you hungry, start thinking about that person getting saved. Start thinking about that person coming to the altar. Think about it. Think about whatever it is you're fasting for. Make a list and pray about it. Fasting without prayer is just going hungry for no reason. Pray when you're fasting. Pray about something. Have something you're fasting for. If you want to see revival in the church, pray for it every day. When you're on a fast, God, I want to see revival in the church. I want to see revival in my community. Make a list of names. But pray about something when you're fasting. And pray for it daily. Meditate on God's word. 
speaking for myself, and probably for most people in here, God's word speaks more clearly when you fast. You get more from the word when you're fasting because you've pushed everything out of the way and you put your total attention on God and say, God, what are you saying? God, what do you want to speak into my life? So make sure, think about the scripture. Maybe if you get a scripture when you're reading, something just sticks with you. When you're fasting throughout the day, just think about that scripture. And what you'll find is God will start talking to you and God will start encouraging you. And this verse you've read a hundred times will mean something different because you're fasting and you're more sensitive to what God is saying. And be careful when you come off of it. If you're coming off an extended fast, be careful when you come off of it. Whether it's food, media, or anything else, the temptation is when you come off, you want to overconsume. You want to go to the other extreme. So be careful. Don't go crazy. If you've been fasting food for several days, don't eat bread, don't eat greasy foods at first because it's going to mess with your body. Your body's not going to be able to handle it. And don't try to eat normal portion sizes because your stomach's going to have shrunk. So give your body time to adjust if you're going on extended fast. Just do that from experience. Don't eat bread. Just please don't eat bread. Just, just don't do it. And the last one, reading the word. The Bible, there's a danger in our society. We're free. And we have more access to this word than any generation anywhere ever on earth has had to the word. But we probably lead it, read it less than most everybody ever has. If you want to go by percentages of Bibles that sit on the shelves now compared to 200 years ago, we have a lot of Bibles that sit on shelves and never get opened. Because the danger is that because it's so easy and accessible and they're everywhere, is we lose its wonder. This is a powerful word. This is powerful. The Bible will change your life. It'll change everything about your life. But if we never open it, it cannot help us. And a sermon on Sunday doesn't make up for your personal time and your word. We have to do it for ourselves. This thing is powerful. And the problem is the, more, the easier it is to get our hands on, the more we take it for granted. So we have to make sure we're getting in this. Brother Brandon Bowman, I believe it was him, the other night at prayer, was talking about he was reading his Bible and one of his sons came in the room while he was reading his Bible. And it was just so beautiful that his son was getting to see him read the Word. Your kids need to see you read the Bible. Your kids need to see you read the Word. Here's the thing. If you want your kids to think reading the Bible is important, let them see you reading the Bible. If you want them to think prayer is important, let them walk in on you praying. Make it something they see, because if it's important to you, they'll understand that it's important. Another thing to remember, the Bible is not a textbook. It's a love letter. It's not a textbook that we read and we study, and I'm just trying to get all this information. It's God's love letter to us. See, God was gracious enough. The God who created everything, spoke everything into existence, Spoke everything in six days. He said, you know what? Over the course of a couple thousand years, I'm going to speak to 40 men, and they're going to write this word, and I'm going to have it for my people to read. My thoughts, my plans, my will, my desires, what I want for your life. God was gracious enough to, to have people write his desires down for us to read. And the least we could do is take advantage of it and read it. Open our Bible. Get in the word. And I can say with confidence, there's been seasons in my life that if it wasn't for the word, I never would have made it. If it wasn't for one timely word when I'm going through hell that I just happened to read something I've read before, but suddenly I read it just the right time 
God speaks to me, and I'm like, you know what? I can do this. I can make it. One promise can give fresh life. One revelation can give you a completely new perspective, but we can only get it from the Word. I'm glad you're here tonight. I'm glad we come on Sundays to hear a word preached. God uses the ministry to bring the Word in a new perspective. If you were here Sunday, Brother Holloway, amazing word. Just bringing the Word from a new perspective. But we can't just sit back and say, just feed me, feed me. At some point, we have to go feed ourselves. If we're going to mature, if we're going to build a strong foundation, if we're going to have a house that's going to survive the storms of life and is going to survive what's going on around us, we have to get in it for ourselves. I have to read the Word. I have to pray over my family. I have to get in connection with God for my home and not rely on somebody else to do it for me. I have to do it. So the keys to reading the Word, I'm hurrying, I'm almost done. I'm just saying that I'm not really almost done. I am. But Bible reading plans. Hopefully, you're doing the version plan with us. If you don't know what it is, the version is an app. You can get on your phone and you can read the Bible. And there's a bunch of plans on there of different Bible plans that have a devotion and Bible reading you can do. And it's very, very helpful because it helps you stay focused. Because what happens is if we don't have a plan, we just walk up to the Bible, we just flip it open and say, that's what I'm reading today. And the next day we just flip it open and read something else. There's no flow. And you can use these plans or you can just pick one spot and say, I'm going to read the book of Matthew and I'm going to read it all the way through. Continual reading, following some kind of pattern, some kind of plan helps you when you're trying to establish a habit. Read with somebody. Give yourself an accountability partner. You and somebody else do a plan together and it will help you. And then when you get done, talk Bible with that person. I was talking about it to our ministers the other day. Talk Bible with people. We, we have a lost art of talking Bible. I used to love, or still love, the holidays. My grandpa knows the Bible probably better than anybody I know. And, he, and I would love, even as a kid, just to sit back and just listen to him just talk about what he's been reading and what he's been seeing in the Word and, and all these things. There's so much in here. Talk Bible with people. Talk about the Word. We need to normalize spiritual conversations as a church. Something I've noticed, and I really got to hurry, but I want to say this. I've noticed that generations before, it was every older person, their Bible's falling apart. It's getting notes in it. Bible's falling apart. But now we only expect the preachers to have a Bible that's falling apart. And I believe we're missing something. And it's a danger that happens in this church, and not this church, the church in general, the North American church, is we become consumers and we just want to listen to somebody preach to me. And that's great. But we need to fill our Bible up. We need to study this word for ourselves. You ought to make a goal that your Bible is going to look like your grandma's Bible did. Make a plan for yourself. Say, you know, my Bible is going to look like that so I can give it to my kids one day. And this one right here, I'm going to preface it with this. I have probably seven print Bibles in my house. Every one of them is KJV. All of them. Every, every print Bible I have. It's amazing. But it's not the only Bible in the world. And that second paper I gave you is a resources pages. And it kind of explains a little more. And I don't really have time to go into it in detail. There's different ways that the Bible is translated. Some are focusing word for word. And that's great. And that's, that's helpful. Some are looking at thought for thought. Because sometimes a phrase doesn't mean anything to an English speaker. Brother Holloway talked about it. Because... 
it's a Jewish or whatever language it was written in. It's some kind of, it's a figure of speech that means nothing to us. So it's not harmful. I always go back to the King James Version. Like, for instance, if you look at 1 Peter 1.15, it says to be holy in all manners of conversation, which is we read that and say, okay, talk right, talk holy. But if you look at it, that word conversation really means your lifestyle. Because in the King James, when it was, when it was, written, when it was translated then, conversation covered more. Now it just refers to speech. So it's something we can miss if we're just, I'm reading the King James and nothing else. There's things we can miss because the English language has changed. Charity would be better translated as love today, 1 Corinthians 13. So there's things, like I said, don't throw, don't go home and burn your KJV. Please don't. I, I love the KJV. That's what I read every day. But there's nothing wrong with comparing other translations. How to study your Bible. One thing you can do is pick a character and just read everything you can about that character. Take notes on their life. Go through where David started from. Go through his life and look at, he was in a field. And, and just take notes on his life. And when you get to the end, look at, you know what? I can learn a lot of lessons from the things that David went through. And you can learn a lot from the things that people went through. So you can do a character study and just read about that character. You can do a topical study. Pick, pick a topic. Maybe about grace. And just go through everything you can read about grace. And what does the Bible say about it? Maybe read a story about an event. And just focus on this one little event and just read it slowly. And say, you know what, maybe, maybe there's something in there I missed when I just, fled, I just flowed through it real quick. Or maybe in Sunday school they weren't going very deep and there's more to that story than I realized. So slow down and read. You can use a study Bible. There's plenty of study Bibles. I love the Apostolic Study Bible. Uh, this is a cross-reference study Bible. I love it. The Reese Chronological Study Bible. And I know this... This isn't the most exciting part, but I want to throw this out there. So the Bible, in case you didn't know, is not written in order. It didn't happen in this order. Job happened somewhere in the beginning of, like, middle of Genesis, but it's way later down in the Bible. It's not written in order. When they wrote this thing, they were more focused on themes and putting thoughts together, and it, was, it wasn't worried about timing. So I, a few years ago, I read the Chronological Study Bible. Rhesus, I think I had a picture of that one. I hope I do. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't zoom it out. I shouldn't even said it because I'd have messed up one. But what it does is it puts the Bible in chronological order. And just to blow your mind, Samson and Samuel only live like 65 years apart. They only miss each other's lives by like 15 years. And when we just read it, it's easy to miss those things. So take your time and and. Chronological Bible might be a good thing to read. It, it helps you see the Bible completely different. And use different resources. On that resource page, there's apps, and you can download on your phone. There's websites that you can use just to study the Bible. You can look at a bunch of versions side by side and say, what is it trying to say? You can look at different words in there and say, what does that word mean? And you can really dig in the word. There's so much in here. That's what I want to stress. There's so much in here that it's worth more than just glancing through it real quick. Take your time. This is powerful. It's life-changing. See, God's given us all the tools we need to access his power in his presence. You have power once you're filled with the Spirit, but it doesn't stop there just being filled with the Spirit. We can't stop there. We have to take it a little further. We, we're able to have dialogue daily with our Creator. 
doesn't get better than that. We can fast and get our flesh out of the way so we can feel God's spirit more powerfully. We can read this love letter at any time we want. We can open it up and read it. It doesn't get much better than that. But we can't take it for granted. We cannot take these disciplines for granted because they're life-changing. If you apply it, it's life-changing. Your life will change overnight if you make prayer and reading your words something you do every day. It'll change immediately. And I mean that. Musicians can come. I read a book either last year or the year before called The Insanity of God. That Incredible book. And the second half of the book this guy was going to try to get information on how to make discipleship resources for people in persecuted countries that can't worship God freely. And he thought he was going to get materials, and he just learned a whole lot. And there was a bunch of stories. And this one particular story that stuck out was this man named Dimitri from the USSR. Dimitri had started a small devotion. The closest church was a three days walk away from his home. So he started a devotion in his home with just his, his wife and his kids. And before long, it began to spread and people started to hear about it. And before he knew it, over 100 people were gathered in and around his house listening to him talk about the word. And so this man is it's illegal and he knew they were trying to deduct, but they finally got caught. And they came in and they took him and they arrested this man and put him in jail. And he was in jail for 17 years. While he was in jail, he had two disciplines that he did every single morning. First thing in the morning, he would wake up, he would get out of his bed, he would stand up, put his hands in the air and sing a song as loud as he could every single day in the jail. The prisoners, about 1,500 other prisoners would, would yell, would throw things at him, whatever they could get their hands on, would throw it at him to try to make him stop, try to intimidate him, try to make him stop singing. And the second discipline is anytime he found a small scrap of paper, he would take and he would write any Bible verse he could remember on it. Small, it didn't matter how small, as much as he could fit on the paper. And he had this spot in his cell that was wet where the water dra- dripped down the side and he would stick it to that spot as an offering to God. And the word he'd remember for 17 years. And every single time the guard would come, would see the paper and would beat him. But he would do it again. And he would do it again over and over for 17 years. Go ahead and stand to your feet. There was one time that he found a whole sheet of paper out in the, in the prison yard that he took and he filled the whole paper up, put it on the wall. And the beating was so bad, they, they, they said they were going to execute him if he didn't stop. He didn't. So here it is, 17 years later, he finally has been keeping these disciplines day after day after day because he realized that was the only thing that was going to keep him. Praying, getting in the Word, remembering the Word as best he could. And after 17 years, he was released. But when the guards came to his cell to take him out, they started to lead him down the hallway. And suddenly, 1,500 Prisoners begin to sing the song that he sang every single day. The guards didn't know what to do, and he said, They said, What is going on? He said, Look, I worship Jesus. They're singing to my God. I worship Jesus Christ. Because he had discipline, 
day after day after day that mattered to him. And he said, you know what? It's difficult. I'm sure there were days that he didn't want to get up and sing. I'm sure there were days where that song wasn't very loud. It wasn't as strong because he had been beaten the day before. But something stirred in him and said, no, I've got to do this. This matters. This is making a difference. And he didn't know that 1,500 other men were listening to what he had to say. And today you may not ever be in a place where 1,500 men or 1,500 people hear about your disciplines. But you got kids that can hear about your disciplines. You got a spouse that may not be living for God right now that can hear your prayers every day. They can see you reading your Bible every day. And at some point they're going to realize that's more than just, just something they do. That's more than a ritual. There's something to that. That's not something they're doing because the preacher said to. There's a connection to that word. It's a connection to that God. There's something about it. We have to. If the church is going to make it, if the church is going to survive and be what we're called to be and not settle for something less, we have to make this part of our life. We have to become Christians in every aspect of the word and say, God, I'm going to pray with everything I've got. God, I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to seek your face daily because it matters. God, I'm going to read your word daily because it matters. God, I'm going to show my kids how to live for God because it matters. So right now, I want to challenge you tonight to come up to the front and make a commitment. So you know what? There's power in these disciplines. I may have failed every day of my life up until this point, but I can start again. I may not have been able to keep any commitment I've ever made, but I'm going to start over and I refuse to give up. And I refuse to sell God short of what he's capable of having in my life. If you want deliverance, get in this word every day. If you've got hidden sins you can't seem to break, get in this word every day. And suddenly those chains will just begin to fall off. It won't happen in a moment. There won't necessarily be one morning most likely that you can point to and say that's when it happened. But slowly, as you begin to crucify your flesh, And you begin to lift God up and put him on the pedestal he belongs on. Suddenly all the chains and the cares of this world will begin to fade away. And God will take center stage in your life. And he'll be the the heart of everything you do. So right now, I challenge you. I'm going to take a long time. But I challenge you, if you're willing to make the commitment, say, God, you know what? I failed, but I'm going to give it everything I got going forward. I challenge you to come to the front. And just make a commitment to God. Say, God, I'm going to put these disciplines in my life. God, I might not be good at it yet, but I'm going to get there. God, I might not be the best prayer warrior you've ever heard, but I'm going to stumble my way through it every morning because it matters. God, I'll stumble through every prayer that I pray if it just gets to the throne room. God, I got kids. We got family members. We got people that need you. And I'm going to pray every single day. I'm going to lift it up to you. And I'm going to let your peace rain down in my life. We're going down.